a bunch of crazy stories written by the Brothers Grimm. And now you're gonna learn all about them, listening to the Brothers Grimm. Students and scholars, friends and relations, welcome to the Brothers Dim podcast. My name is Phil. And my name is Mike. Today we are going to be talking about story number 20, The Valiant Little Tailor. Mike, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I'm doing well, but we have some housekeeping we need to do. Uh Uh-oh. I know. So a few weeks ago, I told you to watch some professional wrestling because CM Punk was on the show and there was a tag team that I liked. But in the interim few weeks, what happened is that Luke Perry's son, Jack Perry, picked a fight with CM Punk backstage. Wait, hold for on. For real. Like 90210 Luke Perry? Yeah, like, yeah. Luke Perry from 90210. Wow. Dude. Yeah. All right. Uh, he had a son named Jack Perry, who's a professional wrestler, picked a fight with CM Punk backstage. And, and then they got, and then Punk won handily, apparently, because Punk actually does have MMA training. Even though he lost both of his fights really badly, <laughs> he's still way better than Luke Perry's fucking son. <laughs> so put 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 Jack Perry out. Um, the result is though that Punk got fired. You're talking he real won fight, a real fight. Right? Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, yeah, put him down. Uh, he won the fight, and then one of the guys in the tag team that I liked, I guess, was involved in a road rage incident where he was driving down the road and brandished a firearm at someone uh, as as one does because he got cut off <laughs> and the guy didn't know it was you know a professional agency took down the license plate and called the cops and was like i said this guy with a beard fucking pointed a gun at me while i was driving down the you know I, i'm sorry i cut him up anyways you're off the hook <laughs> <laughs> is AEW just done or are they just in, in- I, spoiler alert i didn't actually go watch professional wrestling after you told me to i i well you said you weren't going to oh you very I? specifically <laughs> said no <laughs> i digress if you would would I you would. like to take us through the plot of story number 20 by the brothers Grimm, the valiant little taylor well let me tell you this is no little taylor it's also no little tale this one is uh similar to last week's this is uh pushing eight pages i think it's seven yeah it's got you going on a journey, man. Oh, yeah. There's, <laughs> I was trying to, similar to, there was a long one that I had back in the beginning when we started this. And we, we realized afterwards when we were editing, it was like, it was like a 20 minute description of the story. Yeah. And since then, I've always had that in mind when I try to cut these down. Yeah. Uh, this, this one was tough. There's not a lot of, not a lot of fat here. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> number 20, the valiant little tailor. So, as you could expect, there's there's a little tailor. And as you will come to see, he's pretty full of himself. He's working one day, and he hears a woman selling jam out in the street. So he calls her up, buys some jam. He cuts himself a piece of bread, slathers it with the jam, and sets it aside uh, to eat after he finishes his work. I guess he's fastidious. In the meantime, flies start to gather, trying to get at the jam, as flies do. He shoes them, and he finally gets fed up and swats them with a piece of cloth, which I didn't know you could do. With a fly? I guess. Yeah, of course you can. I, I feel like the wind would blow it away before you. And then that's why fly swatters have holes in them. No, no, no. It's 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 so that's that's how you get you can get them really good with with a, with a towel because the towel is going so much faster. It just oh, you mean like like, like yeah. a like like whip snap one, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, today I learned 
<laughs> so he he smacks that on with a with a piece of cloth and discovers that he has left seven of them dead. This is a remarkable feat. Uh, so remarkable that he fashions himself a girdle that reads seven with one blow. Now, Smart. I'm going to presume that a girdle in this instance is not like the feminine undergarment so much as just a <laughs> sort of a, a big like professional wrestling belt kind of deal. Yeah, I, I thought I thought something similar. Yeah, like a, a, a weightlifting belt. Like the uh, fantasy football championship belt that I have sitting right next to me, actually. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten that you had won last year. I did. Congratulations. Why, thank you. So um, he fashions himself this girdle that reads seven with one blow, and then he goes out to show it off to the world. For no particular reason at all, he brings a hunk of cheese in his pocket and also a (laughs) bird that he found outside his house that was trapped in the thicket. Um, Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. (laughs) One of the first things that happens is he comes across a giant who's just chilling. And the giant thinks that this girdle refers to men that this guy has killed. And so he challenges him to a contest of strength, which, of course, the tailor is all about. First thing the giant does is pick up a huge stone and squeeze water from it. Um, The man pulls the cheese out of his pocket, pretending it's a stone, squeezes liquid out of that, you know, cheese juice. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) (laughs) A big piece of wet cheese. Yep. Um. The giant is impressed, so he uh, takes another stone and throws it up really high in the air to, to the point where you can almost not see it. So the man throws the bird up in the air, which, of course, flies away, and he points out that his his stone didn't even fall back to the ground. And the giant's like, oh, crap. So the giant challenges him to help him carry a fallen tree out of the forest. And this is where you start to see the, the cleverness. The tailor's like, all right, well, the branches are the heavy part, so you grab the trunk, I'll grab the branches. And we'll, we'll make short work of this. So the giant picks up the trunk, can't see behind him. He's the tailor's just riding along in the branches while the giant's doing all the work. Giant gets tired after a while. And the guy jumps down as the giant's about to put the tree down. He's like, what? What is your problem? The giant's like, <laughs> so they're going along. Giant pulls the top of a tree down to grab some some cherries. The tailor can't hold on to it and is tossed into the air. And the giant's like, aha. Yeah. Pew! <laughs> Taylor doesn't get hurt. And he, the you know, giant's like, aha. And the tailor claims that he leapt over it. And the giant tries, and giant cannot leap over it. Um, so th- here again, he, the giant has lost. So the giant invites him to spend the night in their their cavern, the giant's cavern. The giants all sit around eating whole sheep. He makes the, the tailor sleep in a big giant bed. It's too big, so Taylor just kind of curls up in the corner of it. Um, Aww. Aww. <laughs> Cute Aww. little Taylor. <laughs> oh, Taylor. Stroke of midnight, the giant assumes that Taylor's asleep and smashes the bed in two with an iron bar, thinking he has killed the tailor. The next day, the tailor approaches them in the forest, and they are terrified that he has come back from the dead, so they run off. And he's like, oh, all, all right. Um, so he falls asleep, you know, as one does. I guess he doesn't I guess he didn't sleep much the night before. Some folks come across and find him. So they tell the king of this of this area about him. And the king's like, ooh, I want that guy. So he drafts him into the military and the guy's like, oh yeah, this is what I was looking for. The rest of the soldiers <laughs> are afraid of him. They're like, oh we can't we can't you know get in a fight with this guy. Yeah soldiers do because they'll he'll kill us all in one blow. In one blow, seven of us. Yeah, all seven. And so they all quit. And the king's like oh. <laughs> So now no, the king you guys was... are on the same side. Right, he wasn't yeah. going to be fighting. you. That's the whole point. Here's an idea. Just don't fight. You just stand behind him. Yeah. <laughs> so now the king wants to get rid of him. So he sells him. He goes, all right, I'll tell you what. You go out into the forest and get rid of these two marauding giants. And if you do this, you can have my daughter in marriage and you can have half my kingdom. And the guy's like, well, all right, I'll do this. 
King's like, you know what? I'll, I'll even send a hundred men with you to help. So they go out and he tells the hundred men to just kind of wait outside. You know, just, I got this. Goes in, finds the giants. The giants are asleep. Starts dropping stones on them back and forth until they both are convinced that the other has been sort of like whacking each other in the in, in, <laughs> while they're sleeping. So they get up, beat the ever loving hell out of each other until they're both Crazy. dead. They're whacking each other. <laughs> yes. Anyway, they get up, beat the ever loving hell out of each other until they both die at the same time. The tailor uh, stabs them both through the chest with his sword, just for good measure. <laughs> Goes out and gets the hundred, the hundred uh, soldiers that were sent to help, or not soldiers, you know, servants or whatever. And he says, "Yeah, hey, look, it's all done." Like they're like, "Holy crap, it is!" Goes back, and the king's like, "Yeah, not so fast." So he sends him out after a marauding unicorn. So same deal. Sends a bunch of guys with him. Guys like, "And eh, you, you stay out here. I'll take care of this." Goes and finds the unicorn, pulls a, a bullfighting move, uh, you know, jumps right out of the way just in time. The unicorn buries its horn in a tree and gets stuck. So the guy puts a leash around its neck, saws the horn off, and then brings the unicorn, you know, now neutered, I guess, sure. back to the king. And the king's like, Jesus. All right. Well, all right. There's another thing. You got to go find uh, a boar. Let's go go, go find this yeah. boar. This, this boar has been tearing <laughs> up the forest. Go find that. So the man, uh, the tailor tricks the boar into running into a chapel and then locks it in there. And yeah. so I, I guess by this, he has now succeeded. He, has, he calls the guys over. He's like, no, 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 look, check it out. I did, I took care of the boar. It's locked in this chapel. And they're like, all right. So at this point, the king's got nothing left. And he's like, all right, here's my daughter. Here's half my kingdom. <laughs> There's a joyless marriage. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if the guy even realizes that <laughs> nobody wanted this to happen except for him. Shortly after they're married, one night, his new wife overhears him talking in his sleep and deduces that he used to be a tailor. And so she goes whining to her father and the king's like, oh, I can't. This this cannot stand. I knew there was something wrong with him. So the king hatches a plan. He's going to send a a bunch of his servants, wait until the next night when he falls asleep. And they're all going to go in and grab him, tie him up, gag him. And then put him on a ship and just send him out into the world where he can never bother them again. <laughs> One of these guys is a friend of the tailor. And so tells the tailor about this plan. And so then that night, Taylor pretends to be talking in his sleep again, somehow says the same things that he had said before, but also when he also starts threatening the guy standing outside the room and they all get spooked and they run off and the tailor lives happily ever after as a king. It's the end. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no. As as I said earlier, I mean, that's it's hard to boil down. This is it's hard to boil down. There's a lot of there's a lot of twists. Yeah, <laughs> I would like to point. I had I had a note. My first note. First of all, the first line to make me laugh was the oh, giant yeah. calling out, "You ragmuffin, you wretched creature." <laughs> Back to the ragmuffins. Ragmuffins, man. Bad news all around. The princess seems to have a little bit less agency in this story than I think any other princess in a book full of princesses that have no agency. <laughs> that's that's an interesting take. I mean, she, she did get her father to do something about this situation. But no, it doesn't work. She straight up doesn't want to marry the guy. Yeah. She doesn't like being married to the guy. True. The only reason she can't get rid of him is that everyone is terrified of him. And they kind of also, they try to make her almost a villain in that it's like that she, yeah. she cares about class. Yep. But really what she did was identify a liar 
and True. doesn't want to be with him and have sex with him or whatever else. It did. I did realize, like at the end of this story, like it's it. You know, the the tailor wins and lives happily ever after. But what's glaringly apparent to me is that this woman is going to be miserable for the rest of her life. Oh yeah, and he knows that she wanted to kill or to to get rid of him. And he doesn't care. Yeah, He's just like whatever. Like, what are you going to do about it? Your guards ain't going to do nothing. Yeah, I he, own you uh, now. <laughs> I was trying to pinpoint exactly what his personality. Like, remember, remember the story of the youth who went forth to learn fear. Yeah, we were like, is he an idiot or is he really smart or is he just like getting by in life just like by accident? I mean, and it was tough that, to nail it down. This guy's similar. That ties into like the moral, which, as far as I can tell, is just lie and lie and lie and lie and lie and trick people, <laughs> kill a couple of them, hunt down a couple animals, and none of it matters because if you're shrewd enough. Everything will work out great for you. It's not an anti-hero, not really, because he's not really a hero. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess. I mean, he he kills the giants. He didn't kill the giants. The giants killed each other. Well, but I mean, because of his actions, like he figured out how to kill the giants. I, he figured he wanted two giants dead, and he figured out a way to make that happen. He squeezed juice out of cheese. I have some. I have some notes on that. And he, he threw a dove. <laughs> threw a bird. <laughs> Tell me about the cheese. I will. Uh, so Arn Tom, first of all, Arn Thompson type 1640, the brave little tailor, not a lot of different versions across the word. The story itself has been adapted a lot, although softened. And when I read, he squeezed the cheese and water came out. <laughs> I immediately, I was like, I know that story. Like really? I, I absolutely know a story about going to a giant and squeezing cheese and the giants trying to squeeze a rock and why the hell do I know this story? So my Google search was ridiculous story about squeezing cheese and tricking a giant or something. And immediately popped up a Disney book about Mickey mouse. Oh, I was thinking it might be an Usborne book. I mean, maybe they did one too, but it was, one of these, it was like a learn to read with Mickey book. And I had like a collection of them. I think I, huh. when I was, I was really young. Yeah. Like, like oh, it's just like one of those where like Mickey is the hero of each story. Like he's Jack yeah. and the Beanstalk kind of thing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was they, they had a they had a whole series of them when we were when we were very young. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember the cheese bit. It was only the giant part that of the story though, and that's mm. what gets adapted a lot is yeah. specifically being clever enough and tricking a giant. So in this one, uh, the Disney one, Mickey was like a woodcutter, and, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> And he comes across a town and the town's like, oh, we're so sad. There's this giant that's been fucking with us. And Mickey's like, I'll help you out and goes and tricks. And then the giant runs away from the thing. But um, I mean, that is that is the most like adaptable part for kids. It's the most exciting and innocent. It's it certainly it gets darker it's, after that. Yeah. If you're yeah, if you if you're married to someone <laughs> that doesn't want to be married to you and sleeping in their bed, that starts going down a real dark path. If you're trying to explain that as as someone with a young child, I'm hoping that I can drill into him the idea of consent. Yeah, that's 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 been my prime concern for both of my children since they were yeah. born. I remember hearing about like how someone said like if you have like little cousins or nieces and nephews and stuff, you know, when everyone's leaving, ask like straight up, just ask, can yep. I have a hug? And I always really liked that. I always I always do it. I get a a hug maybe seventy five percent of the time, but every yeah. once in a while someone doesn't want to hug and it's totally okay and uh i'm yeah this is straight up not that this is just like no i know you're scared of me well so uh, you're you're gonna get to the age at some point not too far where you're i mean I, i'm assuming you are going to tell your kid that they can opt out of hugs from 
scary older relatives. And those yeah. scary older relatives are going to look at you sideways and think that you're an asshole. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> I so many of my family thinks I'm an asshole, anyways. Well, uh, there you <laughs> the, go. The people, the people that would think I'm an asshole <laughs> for that are the people that already think. I, they, I mean, they might love me, but <laughs> <laughs> you can love someone and think they're an asshole. That's true. There's plenty of people in my family that I absolutely love and adore. I won't name names. <laughs> do you have any other notes? I have. Uh, I got a bunch. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, no, let, let's go do, through. Do you notes. got something? No, I don't have any more notes. Those were my notes, but I, okay. I have a little bit of a pitch, a, ho- a big Hollywood pitch, but uh, but let's talk about what you got. Big market teaser. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to sk- I had to skim over a bunch of this, but like, if you want to know what a dick this guy is. <laughs> so in the very beginning, he hears the woman selling jam. So he calls her up and he, he takes forever examining the jams carefully, decides they look good. And then says, weigh me out three ounces, dear woman. And if it comes to a quarter of a pound, I will not complain. Yeah. <laughs> three ounces is not a lot of jam as as I mean, by the fact that he spreads it all on a single slice of bread yeah <laughs> which by the way i don't know if you caught this he never ate it no oh no he the killed flies the flies were... like the, i thought the whole thing was going to be about jam and then he just leaves <laughs> the, the jam covered piece of bread to go show the world his uh, pro wrestling belt i 100 percent thought that this was going to be a story about jam yeah no i did well. too yeah i thought i was like here we go <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> he's going to have some adventures with this. this is going to be a back and forth between this woman. And then it it turned when it turned. That's when I started flipping pages. And I was like, how, how long is the story? Like, Eight pages. Jesus Are we Christ. coming back to the gym? Are we? <laughs> like, I read in addition to the, the, the one Arn Thompson type. It's also types 1060 squeezing water from a stone. 1062, a contest in throwing stones. Type 1052, a contest in carrying a tree. These are very specific. I know. Type 1051, <laughs> springing with a bent tree. Oh, they're, they're way up there. So, yeah. yeah. And, springing uh, with and, a bent tree. <laughs> so, <laughs> and uh, 1115, attempting to kill the hero in his bed. So, I don't know about the buying a small amount of jam and wasting a woman's time. <laughs> <laughs> She's so annoyed when she leaves. <laughs> we can... <laughs> this guy doesn't buy any jam oh, and yeah. waste my whole day. The first line that made me laugh was uh, in that very part. He says, come up here, dear woman. Here, you will get rid of your goods. And I giggled because I'm 12. (laughs) You know what I want to know? Yes. When did unicorns go from marauding, scary creatures to like magical, wonderful, like symbols of of peace and harmony and unity? I don't know. I was like a marauding unicorn. Really? They're... (laughs) There, there's unicorns in the Bible, depending on which translation as just like, uh, they, they don't, it's not like a, here's a unicorn story, but like, they, they're like, anyways, there were unicorns there and sloths and, you know, <laughs> they, they weren't good or bad. They just were. And a behemoth. There was just, yeah, just a line of hmm. list of animals. I think, I think that the unicorn shows up in the King James version of the Bible, which is widely considered the worst translate the one of the best reads but one of the worst <laughs> actual translations of the the micra or whatever you're getting the well that is the the most widely read too isn't it uh, probably in- like new international edition probably is the yeah. the most respected i think but i mean yeah we run up <laughs> once, once again this is me uh espousing on religion that i yeah. do not understand and do not know that's fine i think ireland had unicorns as a as a luck charm but they were sl- they were different the idea it was it was a type of goat that had one horn that would if be you, adorable if you saw it in ireland you uh it was lucky or maybe scotland i don't know somewhere 
in one of those. I feel like there's games. a lot of stuff in Ireland where if you see it, it's good luck. It is, yeah. Hmm. I, I have know. I have two more important questions for you. Okay. One. Yes. And this this one this one was weighing on me. <laughs> Are tailors worse than woodcutters? No, I don't think so. I mean, they have she, more money. She was they so, can afford jam. Right. Yeah. That, that was my thought. Is he can afford jam. He's got his own shop. Um, I mean, clearly he's doing, you know, he, he lives in civilization, but she is so upset that she accidentally married a tailor that it, it made me wonder. Maybe, maybe they're just above woodcutters. As far as royalty goes. Yeah. Because the yeah, royals are, oh, yeah. you know, like as the royals are just like, oh, well, you know, even now are just like, well, what do you, a plumber? Oh, wonderful. You know, what's what? What do you do then? What, how do you just want plum? <laughs> <laughs> so she wasn't upset that he was a tailor so much that he just wasn't royalty. He wasn't royalty. He was, he was a I tradesman. Was, yeah, he's he, you know, right. he's he's in a union or not a union? I guess a guild. That's yeah. some that's some low lowborn bullshit. Mm. Like he's doing better than a woodcutter. Yeah, oh yeah. And I clearly. think like he only bought He hasn't had three, to sell children yet. No, he only bought 3 ounces of jam or whatever, but that's also I think just cuz he's a dick. Yeah. I, I think so. he just was like, "Oh, I just I just I'm going to waste this girl's time." And th- <laughs> that sort of dickishness exists even today. <laughs> yeah, no it does. Uh my other question. Okay. Do you know what this story is missing that most of the <laughs> other stories have? I no, tell me. Radical capital punishment. No barrels. True. There's the the ship they were going to put the guy on has no holes in it. Yeah, they just wanted them gone. Yeah, was, I mean like, it was it was fairly civil. I, the woman didn't want to be married to him, but I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I who guess, would? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the jam woman. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, now that he's a king, although he'd probably uh, still only just buy three ounces of jam, even mm, if he had like so true. much gold, uh, yeah. as much gold, enough gold to make Solomon blush. That's all I need. I just uh, want to yeah. put some on a slice of bread. No, that's that's what I've got, though. You got a pitch? Pirates are in again. They are. I think I, I say that because I have recently watched the Netflix live action adaptation of uh, One Piece. That's that's our new. Well, that's one of our two new family shows. Oh, OK, we, we call I, it we call it Stop Night. We have dinner <laughs> in front of the TV because we're terrible parents. No. And we watch one episode of Stranger Things and then in half an episode of One Piece. As a, like a palate cleanser, so the kids don't sure. go to bed thinking about uh, demogorgons. It's scary, yeah, but um, scary things and such. Yeah, no, I, I'm actually really enjoying One Piece. I really liked it. I never read any of the comics. I never watched the cartoon. Yeah. But anyways, uh, anyways, back to the back to the this pitch. So uh, I know that he's already got ten thousand chapters to draw from, so they don't need this. <laughs> but uh, but Straw Hat Crew rolls up to a ship full of giants, sneak aboard the ship. And cause chaos by getting them all to fight among themselves. They can hide behind comically large beer steins and the like. And all the the people on the ship, they became giants by eating a piece of devil fruit. Of course. And all they're they're on this ship because uh, the giants have a small key, which in the hands of Monkey D. Luffy is very big. Crew needs the key to open a magic chest, which has a magic compass, which will lead them to the fucking One Piece. Which apparently it's been years and years and years like that. We're <laughs> <laughs> they've been looking for this thing, but. I don't know if you do you do the squeeze cheese squeezing thing, but you could. I do, feel like you could work that in in this universe. Uh, you could, uh, or or, but I did, I think that you could do the throwing the rocks at the giants and waking them up, and then pirates don't know what's happening. And at one point, they're just everyone start points cannons at each other, but oh, they're inside the hole, and they blow up blow a hole inside of the side of the boat. They sink. Monkey D. Luffy lives to fight another day, and it's the end. 
for now, you know, until until next. So it was just a little pirate adventure with Mon- Monkey D. Luffy because I was thinking about One Piece a lot. Yeah, no, I, I can totally see that. That was a good one. Yeah, well, thank you. If you have nothing else, and I have nothing else, Colin, I think we can bring this to an end. That it was story number 20, The Valiant Little Tailor. My name is Phil. And my name is Mike. Sleep tight, and we will see you next time. <laughs>